Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 184. It's an enormous wall that's built between you and your dreams. And if every day you just chip away, it may take 10 years, but eventually you might see some light. Edward Burns. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, 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 my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Video Blocks. Now, guys, when I was shooting my show for Legendary Pictures, uh, and I did that 96 pages in four days, I actually got into post and we used a lot of stock footage, stock sounds, and even some uh, graphics from Videoblocks. They are an amazing resource. With your membership, you are granted the rights to use that footage forever in perpetuity on any projects you want to. So if you want to try a seven-day free trial, and by the way, anything you download during those seven days is yours to keep. And if you decide to stay, you get 84% off the yearly membership. It is well worth it, guys. Trust me, if you do a lot of production, it is something you really need. So just head over to videoblocks.com forward slash hustle. So guys, before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I've started creating these little kind of collections of some of the best screenplays ever. And uh, it's a free resource that you guys can download uh as many of them as you like. And the first one, the first couple I put out was Chris Nolan's entire collection of screenplays he's written and Quentin Tarantino's entire collection of screenplays he's written. And they've kind of been very, very popular on the site. So in case you guys haven't seen it, all you got to do is go to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash Nolan or IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash Tarantino and you could download each of these amazing writer-directors screenplays for you guys to study, read, and so on. And if you're into television and streaming series and want to get into that world, I've also put together all of the 2016 and 2017 TV scripts for you to download. All you got to do is go to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash TV scripts. So today on the show, we have Brian Tan from Rappel.com. Now, Brian is going to talk about location scouting, a mystery to many indie filmmakers and what you can and cannot get away with, where you can get the biggest bang for your buck, how you approach a location that you're interested in and see if you can get them for get the location for free or, you know, get it really cheap. Do you need permits? When do you need permits? Should you get insurance? When do you get insurance? How do you get insurance? Uh, all these kind of questions shall be answered and demystified for you in this episode. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Brian Tan from Rappel.com. I'd like to welcome to the show Brian Tan from Rappel, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good, man. Good. I, you know, we have not tackled locations on this podcast, and I'm so glad that uh, I have an expert like you that could hopefully shine a little light on the many, many questions about uh, about locations because I I've I've learned the hard way. <laughs> I think we all have, and that's sort of what prompted me to get into locations. Actually, as they say, you know, locations, locations, locations. It's one of the most important things in film, but often gets overlooked. I feel. It is. It, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, how many indie films have you seen that they shoot against a white wall? 
too many. I think um, I think if, we had a, if I had a dollar for everyone I'd seen, I'd be richer than Bill Gates. I mean, seriously, I don't even understand why filmmakers do that. They just like shoot in a corner. I'm like, guys, okay. use the room. Just even a bad yeah. scene in a good location gives you some production value. <laughs> and I'm not saying That's you true. should, but I mean, seriously, I've seen so many bad action movies, but they were shot in you know Eastern Europe. <laughs> Right. And they right. look fantastic. Absolutely. Sometimes the grungier, the better, actually. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Underworld. Remember Underworld? That yeah. whole thing was shot in, 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 that, in Eastern Europe during that time when you can, you know, take 20 million bucks and make it look like <laughs> 200 million. Right. You can get an extra for a dollar a day. And, if that, uh, yeah, a dollar, yeah, pennies. Yeah, exactly. It was ridiculous. Like, it was ridiculous. For food stamps, you can, for, get, a, you can get some extras and uh, your location w- would be uh, very, very affordable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a phenomenal movie, that one, actually. A I lot do. of underground locations. And yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was, but that's a great example of mm-hmm. location, location, location. Absolutely. Um, but we'll get into some examples afterwards. But first and foremost, man, how did you get? into business and why aren't you like you know with a real job and you like, i mean seriously <laughs> yeah uh, no i i don't blame you at all i'm one of the few guys <laughs> in the world that actually pays money to go to work <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sure there's uh, a i'm sure there's many of us sir oh <laughs> uh, true i, I forget i'm talking to filmmakers like it's mm-hmm. the hashtag entrepreneur hashtag filmmaker life right yes uh, exactly we all got into um to answer your question i got into it because it was a problem Frankly speaking, um, I worked on big studio productions like uh, Tron and X-Men, Girl the Dragon Tattoo. And I worked on really small indie productions like some of the crappy action films like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Definitely guilty of those. And uh, I found that finding a location was easily one of the worst, most tedious parts of the process because it's very, very uh, archaic. You got to go around and you got to talk to people and go door to door. It feels like a bit like you're um, one of those 1950s guys selling like a, like a Betamax or selling like, I don't know, a fax machine in the 90s, <laughs> one of those things. So um, I personally hated that. I was like, man, like I, I wish there was a way to just have a database that I could just contact and know that people are open to filming. And unless you're a top tier location scout or location manager with the guild, you really don't have the access or budget to that. And so that's what prompted me to get into locations for the simple reason that I wanted to make the lives of other filmmakers like me a lot easier. So how would you approach a location uh, in, in a normal world, you know, without using your service? Like if you, if you are going to go to an approach a location to see if they want to shoot, like how do you approach it? Are there any tips that you could talk to them? How, how would you approach it? Sure. I would say like anything in life, empathy is key. Okay. And even though it's not really a, a sale per se, it is sort of at the same time a pitch, right? It's mm-hmm. like going into a studio and telling an executive why they should make your movie it is the exact same thing. So approach the exchange from their perspective, from that their sort of POV. They're going to say, okay, this is a random ass person. Why should I listen to them? So the first thing you ought to do is appeal to greed. And I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. it's no. one of those things in LA, you know, like everyone, you know, yeah, everyone has a side hustle these days, right? So mm-hmm. you got to go and be like, hey, um, my opening line usually is, have you ever thought about making extra money from your location from the film industry? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, uh, most of the time, 90% of the time, they're like, no, not really. Not, my little junky mechanic shop? And I'll be like, yeah, I mean, this is actually perfect. And they'll go, well, it's not really clean. It's not really dead. I'll be like, no, this yeah. is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, then I should bring up Underworld. I'll be like, remember Underworld? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So then they'll be like, they'll be really modest about it. And then you got to go, no, I think this would be great. In fact, I have a production or have a, a filmmaker looking for a location just like this for their shoot. And so now they're thinking, oh, so you've opened the door to them, right? You've presented them an opportunity. Not only are you flattering them that their space is something that could be seen in Hollywood, but then you're going, oh, there's money to be made. And now they're thinking, oh, no. Uh, and that, no, sorry. Now they're thinking, Oh, great. I can make money from this. And now you have to go, oh, no. Now they're thinking, oh, I can charge 10 grand a day. And that's mm-hmm. when you drop in the details about the project. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're shooting this little independent thing. It's not for commercial, or even if it is for commercial purposes, it's a really small scale budget. Da, da, da. You know, then that's when you make your offer. Mm-hmm. So you approach it as a, hey, are you willing to do this? And then most of the time they'll say yes. And then number two, tailor their expectations. Then you can go, okay, we only have $1,000 a day. Would that work for you? And then that's when they're thinking, hey, this is $1,000 that I wouldn't ordinarily have. And they'll start asking questions like, hey, do I have to be there the whole time? Can you work around my hours? Uh, Can you work within the confines of the neighborhood? What do I have to come out with out of pocket? And that's when you do your sales. This is the part where you can do the hard sell. You can go, hey, 
if you're a bar, we can work around your schedule. If you're an office, we can shoot on weekends and uh, parking. We can just find neighborhood parking. Uh, you basically you do everything you can to accommodate them. And you can tell them like, you know, the only thing we'll need is maybe some, uh, maybe your Wi-Fi and your your uh, electricity for running lights, if that. And, uh, and you, if you have a Jenny, even better. And, you know, go from there. So I think it's, it's very simple. It's a three-step process. It's uh, sort of going in, opening their mind to the possibility of film, if they haven't done so already, mm-hmm. then setting their expectations, and then going in for the sale. That makes, that makes awesome sense. Now, but do you also agree that Sometimes you have to walk in and just say, you know, work around, like if you're doing a, it depends on the location. So let's say you're going to go into a bar, you're obviously mm-hmm. going to say, look, you know, we're not going to take business away from you because we're not going to go in. Hey, we need to shoot here between, you know, 10 and two where you guys are making thousand dollars a minute. Uh, right. but you kind of work around their schedule. And also another thing I found that always helps is to really just go, look, I only need this for three hours. Mm-hmm. Or I only need this for a couple hours, and I'll give you X amount of dollars. Does that yeah. that always works too? Because they're like, oh, look, it's only, it's not even a full day. Full day, you can that's a big investment of time uh, right. and location. But and I've, I've shot in uh, supermarkets where mm-hmm. you can just say, hey, um, you guys can keep the business open. We'll just shoot here, and we'll we'll walk around the customers, and that's also a big pl- a big plus as well. Do you agree? Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's all about empathy. Um, and you're exactly right. It's going in and, and preempting sort of the questions that they might have. Um, unless you have a big budget, you can go and be like, Hey, I'm going to give you $5,000 a day. It's more money than you would normally make in a day. Go, you know, go take your kids to Griffith park and have a great day. You know, um, there's that option too. But if you're on a budget and you're on a pinch, you definitely want to go in and be like, Hey, we'll, we'll cater to every sort of request that you might have. And so that way they feel that it's a, a no lose proposition mm-hmm. because they have everything to gain from it. And you can tell them like, for example, in the bar example, you can say, Hey, yes, I know you, you make maybe a thousand dollars a day net, right? Profit. Mm-hmm. Um, this thousand dollars we're giving you is pure profit. There's literally no cost from you apart from maybe you opening and closing. Mm-hmm. This literally doesn't cost you any staff, doesn't cost you any beverages, doesn't mm-hmm. cost you any peanuts. Literally, it's pure, pure profit. And so a lot of times business owners, even homeowners, are totally open to that. And another thing I found that was really helpful is if you happen to have any kind of recognizable face attached to the project that they might recognize the doors open much faster a lot of times. Yeah. Yes and no. Yes. Uh, the doors definitely open quicker. But then there's uh, more money asked, of course. Right, right, exactly. You know, you can't really go and be like, hey, uh, I have Tom Cruise in my little shirt. Yeah, that's done. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're done, you're done. And of course, but, right. but like a perfect example is when I was shooting a, a music video for uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, the, the, the famous comedian in Long Beach, which is his hometown, we just walked in and we're like, hey, we're shooting a music video for Fluffy. They're like, whatever you need. Right. You know, it all depends on who the star is. Uh, but yes, I mean, the bigger the star, uh, the less chance you're going to get something for free or cheap. But it right. could, but it could wheel, it could oil that, uh, oil the, the, the gears just a little bit to get the door open. Yeah, absolutely. I think Danny Trejo is a great example. Yes. He was telling me, like, everybody knows Danny Trejo and everybody can recognize him and is he's like such a badass guy that no matter what he's in, he's going to bring a lot of like kick-ass reach to the role. Mm-hmm. But people also recognize that he doesn't just do high-end films, you know, like he's down for indies and stuff like that. So oh, I think God, yes. he's a, yeah, he's a great example of someone that whose name is like instantly recognizable, but doesn't have a connotation of, Oh, well, great. So now I can rip these guys off. So, yeah, I think, th- I think it's by law now, Danny has to be in every movie. <laughs> by law i think I, it's, I, I have petitioned my congressman for this uh for this measure so uh, i i mean I he has he has to be in every movie i mean i've done like three or four of them with him well, my, not as a director just in post and i'm just like my god this man does not stop working it's yeah, and and he's a crazy entrepreneur too he has like oh, yeah. taco stand and no, no, not taco stand taco Sorry, I, taco like establishment like establishment yeah. like oh yeah yeah, yeah treo's tacos he's over it's in uh, Hol- it's hollywood oh no he's you know what man we could go off we could go off yeah, on sorry. the danny trejo <laughs> trade 
Uh, I, I hope we're getting an endorsement from him based off this uh, this podcast. I hope uh, he can. Danny, you know, Danny, his, if, his if you're money. listening, Danny, I want to work with you, brother. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely, I will totally get your location too. If you're open to listing Trejo's Tacos as a filming location, Alex and I will go there and film. Why something. don't you? Why don't you call him up? I'm sure he would. No, I'm gonna text him right now and be like, "Yeah, <laughs> what's up?" <laughs> so, do you have any tips for us broke filmmakers? that can't even afford a little bit of money. Any tips of getting locations for free? Well, um, as with anything in life, you want to start off with friends and family. I mean, that's just the the crux of it. Someone that owes you a favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'd say friends, families, and favors would probably be the best way of getting a free location. The three it's, Fs. The three Fs. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and if not, you're F'd, right? So, yeah, if not, you're F'd. Then you get that fourth F. <laughs> exactly. So you don't want to go to four. Three is a lucky number. Um so you definitely want to, you know, friends obviously are a great example, you know, um, talk to your buddy that, you know, happens to have a, you know, maybe is really unkempt and has a horrible apartment, but you're like, you know, we need a crack dancing and this is perfect. Um, <laughs> don't <laughs> so tell him, don't friend, tell him that. <laughs> exactly. Be like, we like the nostalgia in your room. Um, and then for family, you know, I, I'm sure you can count the number of times you've seen someone filming their parents' basement and oh, filming yeah. their parents' garage oh, yeah. when they're in film school, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, and then favors too. This one is actually a little bit more intricate. I've been in situations before where I've pitched businesses on, you know, making them, uh, something out of it, meaning that they essentially are getting a free commercial. So instead wow. of covering the logo of a, say a little mom and pop shop and be mm-hmm. like, Hey, how about we feature your food? We feature your location, feature your menu, blah, blah, blah. And that way we can actually have you be a part of this. And then that way you get something out of it. I get something out of it. It's a win for everybody. Um, I got wind of this sort of idea and I'm sure many of you filmmakers are familiar with this. It's sort of creating a situation where everybody feels good helping you out. Um, when I was in, uh, when I was in college in 2006, 2007, uh, I needed helicopters for this ridiculous story that I wrote. And I was thinking, okay, I definitely can't afford a single helicopter, not even for like 10 minutes. No, so get the I, gas alone. Yeah, exactly. And, and the cost of the pilot, blah, 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 and getting the access to the airport. I mean, it was impossible. So mm. I approached the Riverside Police Department and I said, hey, I noticed you guys have a very <laughs> outdated video. Like it's from like the 90s or something. You know, one of those VHS four by three. Sure. What if make you a really, really slick, badass um, new commercial and in return, you fly for our little film, and as we're shooting this film, we'll shoot your stuff at the same time, and then you get a free commercial. And then they were like, yeah, let's do it. So I ended up getting four helicopters. One of them is our chase helicopter, and three are actual picture helicopters. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It was awesome. We flew around Riverside for like uh, for a whole day, and I was like, do I need to reimburse you for gas? And they were like, no, that's what taxpayers are for. Wow. (laughs) No, they didn't actually say that, but they were like, don't worry about it. Um, So... Ever since then, I've been trying to find as many um, police stations. <laughs> I, mean, I know, right? It's funny. I actually shot a police video as well two years ago, and I ended up um, pitching the exact same idea and ended up filming in a real police station with real police cars closing down the streets in L.A. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. So who knew the police were actually very open to it? So here's a you would think that the, you think the police in L.A. would be just like get out of here, kid, but. Right. Think, but I think, but you know what? It's I think they're like the pretty girl. Like they just don't get asked. People are like automatically assuming they're going to turn them down. So, right. Um, that methodology applies to to a lot of stuff. I mean, um, for example, we found a, a warehouse. Like we shot a music video earlier this year, and we were featuring them um, on an aperture uh, lighting sort of behind the scenes video, and they mm-hmm. were just down to give us a big, big discount, uh, basically for free. Uh, to let us film there for that exchange and publicity because there's a lot of stuff that you can offer as a filmmaker mm-hmm. that goes beyond money and that usually is exposure and I know it's so overused right these days mm-hmm. everyone's like yeah I can I want you to work on my set for exposure and then people roll their eyes and tell you you know give you the the, the very choice finger on their hand mm-hmm. um, but it is something that you can leverage especially if you have a social media following if you have uh, clout in a particular area or platform of some sort right right Exactly. I mean, you of all people know, Alex, I mean, you have a phenomenal, phenomenal platform and a great voice and a great audience that you can plug into. I'm sure if you were to go to any filmmaker, they would love to work with you just for that, to learn from you, the exposure, the publicity, all that good stuff too. And it's the exact same thing with locations. Everything is publicity and everything you can offer them is a tool at your disposal. Now, what location, in your opinion, gives you like the best bang for your buck? 
Like if you're going to like, you know, churches or, you know, this or that, like, how do you, what, what locations you're like, you got to shoot in these kind of locations. Cause they, you know, you can get so many more, you get, you could squeeze so much more production value out of it. Sure. I am a little bit biased. Everyone, um, being in locations, everyone loves houses. They mm-hmm. love single family homes, but I'm not a big fan of those. Cause I feel like it's so overplayed. Mm-hmm. I actually love the sort of industrial chic sort of look, even from mm-hmm. an Design standpoint. So I'm very partial towards warehouses. Um, and being an action guy, I love the grittiness and the grunginess and the character that you get out of warehouses that you don't ordinarily get in like a really nice setting. Mm-hmm. And warehouses to me, you get the most bang for buck because you have the most space, right? It's very flexible. You can make it look sort of like an office. If you have a little back room where the manager sits, you can make it, um, you can do a lot of stuff with the warehouse. You can have a fight scene there, mm-hmm. you get a dance choreography. You could build a set even if you have to. Right. Precisely, yes. You have the ability to, you know, if you want to bring flats in and then build a set from that, you have infinite possibilities. It's almost like a canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, in warehouses are great because they're usually located in industrial neighborhoods where there's no noise ordinances of like, oh no, the neighbor that you shine their light into an accident is now going to call the cops on you. Um, or, oh no, someone's going to mistake your fight scene for a real gunfight going down in a, in a residential neighborhood. So mm-hmm. for me, I love warehouses and I'm particularly biased towards that. I actually, the, the best story I have on locations is when we shot my short film in 2005, Broken, we oh. got a hold of a, a hospital mm. and they gave us uh, basically four floors were shut wow. down. So nice. we get to shot, we shot basically all over the hospital and gave us an immense amount of production value. And then on top of it, they actually had three single family homes on the property that were wow. abandoned and we got to- you know, we, I mean, we literally shot everything there. It was just amazing. And we wow. got it and we got it all for free. That's incredible. You should turn that place into like a, a backlot or something. I think after <laughs> we left, they said no, we didn't do anything wrong. But I think after they said the, the politics of the whole thing, I think, uh, fell apart. So no one was allowed to shoot after we left. We, uh, we, we, yeah. we were wonderful. They loved us. But because they would love us so much, they they said, ah, don't pay us anything. Don't worry about it. Wow. It that's, was that's, uh, that's outstanding. Yeah. We shot there for a week. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Where where is this? I, this I know I, this would yeah. be West Palm Beach, Florida. I figured it was Florida. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's <laughs> stories like that really make my heart warm. That people are so you know passionate about the filmmaking process that it's actually not all about the money. And I typically find that places like these are actually outside LA where people yes. are like just you know they just love the art of it and mm-hmm. uh, you know they don't mind just helping out. And so maybe this is another top tip for our listeners today. Um, for free locations, go outside LA. And I oh. do mean that seriously. I'm not being facetious. Outside of any I, major city, honestly. Right. Yes. I, yeah, very, very true. Actually, Mighty you just mentioned, I mean, if you're listening and you're in Chicago, go out to the suburbs, you know, even in my case, like for example, the, the Riverside film commission is extremely like film, uh, supportive and film friendly. They actually, I think have like, uh, no permits in certain areas or rather permits that are free. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just, there are generally very easygoing. And I, for example, have shot in certain places in the Valley up in, you know, past the, uh, past magic mountain or certain areas mm-hmm. past like Temecula. And if you just go into a cafe and tell them that you're doing a movie, they get so excited and mm-hmm. when they bring up money, when you bring up money, they're like, what do you mean money? Like, it's an honor to be in your little project, whatever this project may be. So sometimes if you take that two-hour drive outside, you know, you are going to be rewarded. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you can get – I mean, I've shot here in L.A. for for almost a decade now, and I shot a lot in Florida and, and New York and other places. And, it, you know, it's just so different when you're outside of – the main hubs, especially LA, like, mm-hmm. you know, but you, you're in the middle of Wyoming somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you walk in like, Hey, we're making a movie. They get really excited. Right, uh, the it, eyes light up the eyes. And it could be like a $10,000 feature. Like I'm not talking, I mean, you don't have to be a big <laughs> kind of movie. I mean, like just any movie, they yeah. get super excited. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing what you can grab. Um, yeah. So let's talk about insurance. Mm, yes, the, the I word, the big ugly <laughs> I word. Now, exactly. I, you know, I've shot with insurance. Mm-hmm. I've shot with no insurance. Yeah. Uh, when do you need it? When do you not need it? Well, you always need it. But when right. do you do you like can't get away with not shooting using it? When do you need it? Sure. Tell me. What what when what what do you need? Well, to be honest with you, I've been on both sides of the equation as well. Um, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. You know, yes, you're absolutely right. You need insurance 
all the time, especially in this country. You know, it's so litigious. Everyone mm. is out to get you, yes. especially in like big cities. You never know if some guy on set breaks their pinky uh, from doing something random mm-hmm. and they're going to start suing you. And you never know if your light falls down and something catches fire. And there's so many Murphy's Law, right? Murphy's Law is the only supreme lava film set. So mm-hmm. you just never know. And things are always going to go wrong. What can go wrong will go wrong. So that being said, I highly encourage everybody to get insurance. But that being said, I think if you didn't, if you were really on a pinch and you were so passionate about a project and you just had to do it and you were truly, truly, truly cash strapped, um, I would say the safest options for you are to film in places you have more control over. Um, mm-hmm. Or have direct re- or direct relationships with the person who owns it. Precisely. Precisely. You know, film in your house. I mean, yeah, if something goes goes wrong, you, well, it's your place. It's You're taking responsibility for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have more control over the setting as opposed to randomly shooting on the street without insurance. Car might come by and, you know, hit someone. You know, mm-hmm. I would say it, it's all about risk. And there's risk in everything we do. So the, the question is how comfortable are you with the risk? You know, filming in places that, say, you know, are a little bit less out of the way, more, sorry, more out of the way than most. So there's less variables you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, less risk factors. Um, I would say those are great, great, uh, ways to sort of minimize it. There's always risk, right? But there's ways to mitigate it. Um, so I would recommend that if you really had no insurance and you had to film somewhere, I mean, gorilla run and gun, sure, go for it, but realize that you are rolling the dice. And I, believe me, I've done that before, but you know, the older you get, the more you have to lose. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you're 21 and you broke, right, you're right. like, Screw well, it. Screw it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like if you're, you know, living out of your car and you're like, well, if, if I get sued, they can take everything I own. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's not too bad. You have time to restart, right? But when you get to like, you know, our age, you know, and you're like, well, you got a family, you got a this, you got that, you know. And, and thank you, by the way, for the our age thing, because I know how old you are. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, tr- I truly appreciate that. As they say, it's not the years in your age, it's the age in your years. Right? There you go. There you go. Oh, and you, you know, when you're, long past like i've been out of film school for i mean i've been out of school for like a decade so i mean it's it's one of those things where you put some years behind you and sure. there's more clues and you get more experience doing it um but if you had to get insurance there i highly recommend ex- exhausting at least trying all options for that mm-hmm. um for example i know a great insurance vendor they're called athos insurance mm-hmm. in los angeles i don't get a commission i'm not plugging them at all mm-hmm. it's there i've personally used them a lot uh, over the past like six seven years and they've been absolutely phenomenal uh they will try their best to work with you and they will try their best to cater to you and and help you out and walk you through any issues you might have a very personal touch because insurance is a very impersonal industry mm-hmm. but bring back that concierge level of, of service which is very hard to find these days so there are vendors that will work with you you just got to do a little bit of searching asking around and, and asking for uh, referrals as with everything in this business it's all about you know who you know sometimes and um, that's how you can get maybe get some uh, affordable uh, policies under your belt no, I will. I'll definitely put their link in the show notes because I think a lot of filmmakers are always looking for like, who do we get insurance from? You know, how do we do it? So that thank you for that uh, that quick little resource. Now, when you rent a location from a company or or a person, do you still need to get a permit? Is that per city? I'm assuming. Yes, the legal answer is absolutely you do. Especially here in film, uh, film LA basically controls all of Los Angeles's permits, uh, applications, processing, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is free to. Sorry, it's a twenty dollars application. It used to be free back when I was in school at mm-hmm. UCLA. Uh, go Bruins! Um, mm-hmm. It used to be free, but now it's twenty dollars to apply for a film permit anywhere throughout uh, Los Angeles. If uh, you are a student, you have to provide your ID and a letter all that good stuff, but it's totally worth it. You just have to go in and do it. Um, if you're not a film student, it is, again, it's like insurance. You're you're rolling the dice. I mean, an argument could be made for, hey, if you're under, uh, you know, if you're in close quarters and you're not going outside, you're filming yeah. in a residence you know or a business you know, and it's going to be fairly you know, obscure. Yeah, no, no trucks outside. Right, exactly. No helicopter shots. Yeah, yeah. No crazy, like, you know, yeah crazy, crazy setups. Sure. I mean, you can chance it. I mean, if the police come by or your neighbor really hates you and is out to get you, you know, you run that risk and you could lose an entire day of filming. Um, I would say apply for a permit if you can afford it. And, uh, you know, if you don't know how to do the logistics of it and if you don't know how to 
make it happen from a sort of like time perspective. Like you're crunched, you have a shoot coming up in like two days and you're totally screwed and you don't have the time to go down to film LA or fill out their permit online. Um, there's a great permit expediter. Again, I do not get any money. This is not an endorsement. I do mm-hmm. not get any referral fees from them, mm-hmm. but um, there's this company called Film Permits Unlimited um, based in the Valley, I think out of Burbank, and they are phenomenal with processing permits. So what they do is they're basically an expediter in the same way that, let's say, you're traveling in a few days and you eat your passport expedited. They do that, but for film permits. Mm-hmm. And they only charge you $110 in addition to whatever the film permit costs. And they save you so much headache. Um, film LA is actually super busy every every, every day. Every second of every day. Right. I actually met the, um, I actually know the president of Film LA, Paul. Um, caught up with him on Saturday and I was like, Hey man, how are you, how, how do you process, how many permits do you process? And he, you know, he does a good two to 400 every day. So Jeez. they are very, very busy. So that's why maybe having an expediter, you know, if you have a little bit of extra money, um, you know, and you don't want to deal with the hassle of it, go, you know, go with film permits unlimited. Um, and they're a great company and they've been in business since like 1976. So they know what they're doing. Um, but if you don't have a film permit, chance it and uh you know see what happens i guess it's it's like insurance right you're rolling the dice the more control you have over the situation the better so you can mitigate that risk and even if you do have a film permit i highly recommend this is another tip that i have i highly recommend calling the police department anyway Mm -hmm. to let them know what's going on because i've had situations where um so i list my own house on raffle right Mm -hmm. and so my own house has been used as a film set and I've had neighbors complain and call the cops. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, listen, these guys filming at my place have a firm film permit. But the cops come out and there's a disruption on set because now they got to produce the permit, all the good stuff. So call ahead and tell the police department that you're a fully permitted, insured, blah, 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 shoot. You know, if anyone complains, tell them what's going on. So it's always good to call the call dispatch of the local police station, ask to talk to the watch commander or the sergeant in charge and tell them what's going down. So that way, when they get a call, they can be like, hey, listen, these guys called ahead. We know it's a film shoot. Thank you for the consideration, but these guys are legally allowed to do what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, because if not, it could be an hour wasted. Right, exactly, yeah. And even though everything's going to be okay, they're not going to shut you down if you do have a permit. It's mm-hmm. still a waste of time, like you said, and time is money. Now, the one little tip I want to throw out there, which I, I, I learned years ago, was if you're going to try to guerrilla shoot, and, and you tell me what you feel about this, uh, Brian, but if you're going to go out and guerrilla shoot on the streets or, you know, specifically on the streets, uh, on public streets, public parks, something like that, if you have a small crew, and you definitely should if you're going to try to do something like that, mm-hmm. one, two, three tops – Mm-hmm. have one of them be a film student. Oh, okay. Because if you have one of them as a film student, when the cops show up, they're like, oh, we're just shooting his student film. And they leave you alone. Hmm. Or they push you away, but there's no major <laughs> issue because you're like, oh, we're just helping this kid out. We're making a student <laughs> film. That is a quick down and dirty gorilla technique that I've used. And I've heard many other filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I, I, you know, I, 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 I I'm know. not going to say I do that all the time, but listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've done that a lot in college. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I co- uh, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you got that, that little student, that student ID is very powerful, uh, yeah. things that you can, that you can use and the, and the students just so happy they'd right. be learning, you know, and be there that, you know, and we're not doing anything wrong. True. It's, you know, it's, look, man, sometimes you gotta, I'm, I'm from the streets. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. No, I, I got you. No, literally. I, I think, I think, I think that's a good method. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say like, you know, go on Craigslist and find a ton of films. No, 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 no. Actually, fodder, but uh, of course. I, it's a great way to do it. Um, the other way, and this is actually legal. Um, <laughs> the other one's legal too. There's okay. nothing gray area <laughs> it's very it's very gray i have to say yeah it's i mean look do what you got to do right it's all about making your film um mm-hmm. but this one is actually a legit way of doing things is um in certain cities you do not need a film permit if you don't have a tripod so this is a fun little fact so if you're shooting your film on a street and a cop pulls you over mm-hmm. you can be like hey i'm the law says i don't have if i don't have a tripod i'm legally allowed to film whatever i'm basically no more than a tourist and this is true in New York, especially. I don't know for LA. It I'll is in to... it's it's it is in LA as well. Okay, great. Yeah, so exactly. So and what I'm gonna say too is that nowadays stabilization technology is so freaking good, you do not need a tripod. Have a movie rig, for example. You can mm-hmm. still do the exact same things, but you're technically still not on sticks. So if you have a steady cam rig, if you have a shoulder mount rig, 
whatever your tool of, of choice is, you can get away with a lot by shooting on the streets. Of course, have a small footprint so you're not disrupting anything, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's a great cheat around the system. If you had to go shoot on the streets and you don't have the money or the time to get a permit, sure, put yourself, um, you know, take your sticks away and, and go handheld or, or get a stabilization system and you'll be, you'll be good to go. No one can stop you. I was in downtown the other night eating dinner with my wife and we walked out of the restaurant and literally there was a guy with a Ronin there you go. Uh, literally, but they were they were kind of being dumb about it, but because they were like jumping in and out of the street, like trying to get cars driving by. <laughs> but it was like in the middle of the night, in the middle of somewhere in downtown. Right. You know, it's like eleven o'clock. But you see, <laughs> but they can get you can get away with that. Uh, so right. there there are things you can do. Look, you know, and generally speaking, all of us are just trying to make our movie. Absolutely. And you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. To make it as long as everyone is safe and you're not hurting anybody. Uh, you know, do what you got to do. That's a, but always try to do it as legitly as possible to Absolutely. mitigate any uh, any issues that you might have moving down the yeah. line. Absolutely, and I don't mean to come across as like the figure of authority here because I have a location oh, no. hat and then I have a filmmaker hat. My filmmaker hat will say, "Do whatever it gets needs to get done." Sure, who cares? Screw yeah. the law. And then my yeah. location hat's more like. Well, we need to abide by this ordinance. Da, 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 da. So, you know, it's like very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It depends what I'm sort of doing on set, you know. So, um, you know, I, I think it's good to have both perspectives, right? To be aware of what risks and challenges you're up against if you were to do things the legal way, and then sort of, you know, asking yourselves, okay, what can we get around without too much risk? And I think I personally am of the philosophy of if you're not hurting anyone, do it. Right. So. I mean, I've seen, I know of, I've actually heard of some big budget movies, some uh, like, you know, 100 million plus where the director grabbed a splinter crew Mm -hmm. and just ran off and shot some stuff without permits Mm. uh, just because of like, they're like, screw it. It's going to take too long. Let's just go. Uh, You know, they could, you you can't do it. It just all depends. You know, it's all about perspective of what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Now, what are what are a few things that filmmakers can do to make sure that the locations that they are using are safe? Mm, that's a very good one. Um, I the one thing that always gets overlooked when it comes to safety is is electrical. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, filmmakers plug a lot of stuff into the grid, and it just blows quite literally. And so, I would have your best boy electric actually more have a best boy electric in the first place. A lot of indie sets are like, oh, our gaffer is our key grip. And our, and our key grip is our PA and our PA is our craft. <laughs> exactly. And also doubles up as the art director sure. uh, when, when the camera's not rolling. So um, yeah, electric is one of them. Um, I would make sure that, you know, from a safety standpoint, if you're you know shooting in a somewhat questionable neighborhood, you know, have a PA post up as a bouncer or hire actual security. Um you know, I would say things like that. Always be situationally aware. Mm-hmm. Um, anything can happen at any time, regardless of where you are. And it might be the safest place in the world, but you just never know. Always be situationally aware, as they teach you in the law enforcement and military community. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say also from a safety standpoint, it's all about the scout. It's always about going ahead of time, making sure that you look at every potential issue or potential threat and then come up with a strategy of dealing with it. Because every location is unique. Every location has its good and bad or safe and less safe aspects Mm -hmm. about it. And Mm -hmm. so I would say that's one primary thing uh, people should do. Yeah, because exactly, because a lot of people don't, I think, let's talk a little bit about location scouting, because I don't think a lot of people think about that. They just like show up and can we shoot here? Great. And but you gotta really scout it to know what you get to squeeze the most juice out of that place and know that oh we're gonna shoot here between four and six, but we showed up at eleven to scout right. to scout it. But it, when we go show up to shoot up between four and six, oh it happens to be rush hour. It happens right. to be a lot of traffic, and it screws everything up. And a lot of you know younger filmmakers or inexperienced filmmakers don't understand that. So can you talk a little bit about how to properly location scout? Absolutely. I think photos are key. You know, pictures say a thousand words and as much as you can talk about a location, it's best to see it in person. Take lots of panoramic shots on your iPhone or if you have a DSLR, even better. Take lots of HDR photos of the location at various different times. Um, That is key. And I think the other thing that people often forget on a location scout, it's not only about the location, but it's about meeting the location manager, the location owner, the location rep and building that rapport with them getting along with them, talking to them, asking all the questions you need to ask. And the one thing you have to factor in mind is that every location, it's always about asking yourself what could possibly go wrong and dealing with plans to 
mm, sort of counter them, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. that's what the location scout is about. It's about saying, okay, so if this light is faulty, what could that lead to? It's about saying, okay, so the sun sets in this direction. It's going to cast a shadow on the actor if we don't get to this scene on time. So maybe we should shoot it first. You know, it's mm-hmm. all about these little plans. Mm-hmm. And I consider it almost like, um, like a, a walkthrough for buying real estate or even renting an apartment. It's like you wouldn't you know, rent an apartment having not seen it and, and plan your life around it, right? It's the same thing for a shoot. Even though you're only going to be there for a day or two, perhaps, you still want to go and, and plan it out in the same way you would go scout an apartment if you want to rent it out and live there potentially for longer. So, you know, that's pretty much the analogy. You got to approach it with the same mindset. The one thing I, uh, I worked with a salty uh, old location manager years ago, and uh, he gave me some of the best advice I've ever heard for a location uh, to get a location. Right. A lot of times look <clears throat> locations tend to be sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that, you know, they're sensitive about what's being shot in their oh, yes. establishment, mm-hmm. not porn, but just generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, Oh, we don't want to curse words or what is this? Is this a drug right. movie or things like right. that? So, and I, this is what the, I, I'm just repeating what this location manager said to do. Mm. He has two versions of the script. (laughs) One version is the real version. Mm. One version is the sanitized version. The Mm. sanitized version is the one that's submitted to the location. When you come on to shoot on the day, if you just start doing the normal thing and they start getting out of of whack, they're like, oh, what are you going to do? The director changed his mind. The actors are here. Mm. And it's better, he said, it's always better to ask for forgiveness than for permission when it comes to this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that's the way to do it, but I just thought it was genius. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's yeah, it's it's cunning. It's uh, it's smart. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't. Mean, I don't. The business that long, you've worked out all the tricks, right? Uh, right. Um, yeah, and also don't, don't forget, you also need um, uh, hush money. Uh, of course, yes. Absolutely. Can, can we talk? Can we yeah. talk a little bit about of about the hush money? <laughs> sure. Um, things happen, right? Yes. Like Murphy's law, it all comes down to that, and. Uh, what you call hush money, I like to call petty cash. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, but you're but you're hushing, but you're hushing people. <laughs> it's one of those things where, uh, for example, this is a great uh, example of why location scouts important. Is to you know, let's say you're on set and you want to ask the owner, like, hey, when is the gardener coming by? Mm-hmm. Do you have any roofing work you have expected? Is your name da da da? You know, so the the hush money is quite literally to keep people quiet. For example, let's mm-hmm. say this just happened the other day. We were doing a shoot with Corridor Digital. I they were shooting outside and we had a gardener, you know, blowing the leaf thing. And I was like, Oh, in LA. No, I know. Right. (laughs) And so I was like, Oh crap. Okay. So I ran outside and the guy's like, what do you want me to do? I'm just doing my job. I'm like, yes, I totally get it. How about $20 and you come back later? And he's like done. So quite literally you should have cash on you just in case in small denominations should you need to do anything like that? And I think there's no harm, no foul, right? I mean, he's getting $20 for coming back a few hours later. And to him, he's like, great. So now I can go grab a coffee and swing by whenever I come back in this area. So for me, I think it's important to have these contingencies standing by just in case anything should happen like that. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah, a lot of times. Uh, and then that's the that's the innocent one. But there's always the, I'm shooting at someone's house and the neighbor comes out and decides to start mowing his lawn. Oh, Purposefully. Yeah, that- Yes. Because he knows that you're going to get hush money. So he's doing well, it purposely to get paid off. Uh, yeah, I've been, definitely been in those situations more than, yeah, a lot. Actually. Especially in um, L.A. Especially L.A. and New yes. York. L.A. more than New York even that. It, it, they, yeah. they know. They know like yeah. – especially if it's a big show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, yeah, they always do. And I remember I was – my uh, the store that you, you know about my, uh, my olive oil store yeah. that I had, it was right behind CBS Studios. It was literally CBS Studios was my next door neighbor. So, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a bunch of other shows would always shoot. Anytime they would even come near my street, yeah. the location manager would call me. And he's like, hey, we're shooting. And I'm like, well, uh, are you going to impact my business? He's like, I'll give you 500 bucks. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then you got to call back the day of me like, are you impacting my business more? <laughs> no, you see, I was not, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm not going to exactly. do that to them. I would never But, do but that they anymore. actually were like, they were putting up trucks and, you know, right. customers couldn't oh, get I in. So it was an actual thing. Sure. But then he would tell me stories about people like, like five blocks down uh, or half a mile down. They're like, you're impact, impact, impacting my business. I need money. <laughs> right, right. 
It's like in another city over, like, hey. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> you're, you're stealing our customers. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that. This is actually worth mentioning to a lot of maybe the listeners today. I think uh, this requires some research. So Google this. Don't take me at face value. But from my understanding and conversing with a few location scouts, L.A. Uh, put up ordinances recently that said if you are deliberately uh, disturbing or harassing a permanent fully legally f- uh, allowed film shoot, it's actually now a felony or a misdemeanor. So it's one of the things, yeah. So exactly, if like, you know, you're on, on set and someone's like deliberately playing the drums next door right. and, you know, you can somehow prove that they're doing this to, to, to screw with your set, they can actually face a lot of legal repercussions. Um, so this Good is my understanding know. now. Um, but Google I would Google, Google and double, yeah, double check. But this is just colloquially what I've heard anecdotally from a few other uh, people in the locations business. So check it out. Very cool. And again, if you're going to be if you're going to be doing any kind of locations uh, shooting anywhere in the country or the world, uh, you should be going towards. I know in America you go to your local film commission. If there is no local film commission, you're pretty much good to go. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, but try to go to your local film commission and talk to them about what you're doing. And I think in there you can get your permits and things like that. Uh, the bigger the city. You're going to have, you know, more obstacles. You're going to have more hoops you're going to have to jump through. But generally speaking, that's what you should do. Overseas, I really don't know how they work. I'm assuming there's some sort of film commissions where you go get permission for this kind of stuff. But just check all that stuff out um, Mm. prior to shooting. Would you agree with that? I would check it out and Google it. But funny enough, I think other countries are super liberal about people filming. Um, I think a friend of mine was filming in Japan uh, mm-hmm. and had a fairly large footprint. They had like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was telling me that there's literally no permit office. You can film whatever you want to do within reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to pay the proprietor of uh, the establishment you're filming at, but there's no permits required. So again, Google this. This is just anecdotally so- what I've heard from a friend of mine who shot there recently. So It's just so... You know, you know, we're living in LA and we live in basically the, the toughest, you know, <laughs> we're the Alcatraz of locations, True. you know, and True. then when you hear stories like that, you're just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta shoot outside of LA. I know, I know. <laughs> My, I did a production. Yeah, good. No, Miami. I shoot in Miami all the time mm. and they have a film commission, but you can get away with a lot. Not South yeah. Beach as much anymore, but, right. but other places yeah. you can get away with a lot. You were saying? Yeah, I was filming. I was going to similar story in Hawaii. I was filming a production in Hawaii maybe a year or year or two ago, and we got a fantastic location for five hundred bucks. And other places, like we shot in like this beautiful waterfall, and we just told uh, the park rangers we were going to do it, and a few other people that we were familiar, and they were like, "Yeah, just just go for it." <laughs> so it's <was> super easy. <laughs> so let's talk about Rapple, man. Tell me what Rapple is. What is this? brainchild of yours and how are you going to save all of us filmmakers from all of these location hells that we just talked about well i don't know if i'm the messiah of locations (laughs) but um it was started because of a problem you know this all comes back full circle when we first started why i got into locations let's face it it's a pain in the ass it is like the worst i don't know for me at least one of the worst parts of the filmmaking process you want to be creative and then you got to do all this legwork literally to go get your location so um, I was a big traveler and I always loved Airbnb, just a huge, huge fan of it. I don't even go to hotels anymore. So mm-hmm. again, not endorsing them, just sure, sure, I, sure, I sure. seriously do love Airbnb. So sure. I was like, man, why not just create the Airbnb of film locations, a platform where people can search for connect and link up with properties that want to have extra money under their belt. I, it all comes down to creating a win-win relationship. So we started this company and launched it about a year ago, and it's essentially a website that connects properties and filmmakers together. Uh, think Airbnb for film, and we're basically like matchmakers. We're not your traditional location scouts, where we or location managers, I should say, where we rep the venue and then charge like ridiculous double rate or whatever percentage over it. Mm. We're more like the guys that say, "Hey." Um, you like this location, you can connect directly with them for free and the location and you can work out whatever price you guys like. And then from there, you guys can make your movie. And to us, this is very cost effective because as an independent filmmaker, you don't have, usually you don't have the money to hire a location, Scott, you don't have the money to hire a location manager. So we're basically taking locations and making them extremely affordable. Our average price, for example, I think is like between 750 to $1,500 for some really 
kick-ass location insane so, location for a 10-hour day 10 or 12 hour uh, day. 12 uh, yeah. 12 hour day actually yeah and um, we have more than 1500 locations in los angeles that you can pick from and it's not just homes it's residential commercial industrial mm-hmm. even like really like we were shooting in a clock shop the other day which i don't know how you'd that's be pretty, able to find that that's pretty airplane. awesome yeah, I mean, in the past, people had to try Craigslist, um, Airbnb even, or, or just Google it. And I think mm-hmm. nowadays, um, having a site like this helps make uh, the lives of filmmakers a lot easier. I'm not going to say that I'm the one reason a production succeeds or fails, but I think char- you know locations are like characters in your story. And sometimes you need to add that extra dimension and have a really cool location in order to tell your story better. So I like to think that we're essentially help making filmmakers' dreams come true and help making that real, making them a reality better for them, um, in a way that has never been done before. So that's sort of our mission statement. Now, what? It, it, so there's no cost to the filmmaker. No, other than uh, the rental, obviously, to the location. Yes, I mean, and that is something determined by the venue, uh, whichever business or or home that you're filming at. So it doesn't cost you anything to search for a location. More our inventory of fifteen hundred. It doesn't cost you anything to search for it. it doesn't cost you anything to connect to them. If you book through this site, there's a, currently an 8% transaction fee. That's the only commission we make. Mm-hmm. And out of that, I think 3 or 4% goes to just processing a credit card. And with this system, it gives you the ability to have a security deposit, gives you the ability to upload your insurance or film permit policy, mm-hmm. um, all that good stuff. So it's a small finder's fee, essentially, for us. And we're hoping to disrupt the locations industry by essentially our hypothesis is that there's going to be enough volume to sustain a very, very small percentage. And for us, it's, again, all about creating that win-win. You know, homeowners, business owners get that extra money in their pocket they wouldn't ordinarily have gotten. And filmmakers get the convenience and ease of finding a location with their fingertips. Now, are you guys working to try to help with insurance as well? Absolutely. Um, we are basically uh, hoping to partner up really soon. Can't really say yet, but we're hoping to partner up and offer insurance through the site as well. And also can't really uh, say as of yet, but I think in a few weeks slash months, we might be able to offer uh, expedited film permitting on the site too. So you can not only get your insurance and your, your mm-hmm. location, but you can also apply for a film permit on the spot for a very, very cost-effective rate. So that's something we're really excited to announce uh, in the next few weeks. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, we do appreciate you helping us out. And right now, it's only LA or New York or... Mm-hmm. Um, um, as of, yeah, as of right now, it's very, very big presence in Los Angeles and a very small presence in New York. And we're hoping, you know, we're, listen, we're not a big VC backed or angel investor company, mm-hmm. you know, like one of those, like, oh, mm-hmm. we're not going to be the next Snapchat. We're not going to be the next Google sure, or sure. anything crazy like that. Um, so we are growing slowly. We're very different from your traditional startup in that we're trying to make this a long term sustainable business. We're not in it to like, you know, sell and cash out and, and, uh, you know, suddenly retire or something like that. We're in it to help filmmakers. And that's something that's a long term vision. So we're growing the business very, very slowly because of that, but Mm -hmm. sustainably. And so the idea is to essentially get uh, a stronghold here in Los Angeles and then slowly expand to Atlanta, Chicago, San Francisco. Yeah, Austin, exactly. So places like that. So that's sort of our mantra in doing business. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's no guarantees that's going to work out. But at the same time, this is what we believe serves our community best. Because what sets us apart from other, you know, Airbnbs and all that? We are a community uh, ourselves. We're all filmmakers. We're a site made by filmmakers for filmmakers. And that I think is what drives us at the end of the day, because we empathize. We understand the plight of filmmakers. We have been there, you know, even photographers too, we've been there and want to help them and make their projects a reality. So to me, that's what, that's what drives this, this forward. Um, even though it has a, a very strange name that no one can pronounce. Is it Rappel? Rappel? I know exactly. So it's W R A P A L like Wrap a location, which is actually what inspired the name. So yeah. <laughs> all idiosyncrasies aside, what keeps me going forward is the ability to help others. As as naive and cliche as that sounds, I think there's still an optimist inside the cynic that uh, that wants to help people out. And so, I I would um, I would agree, sir. I would agree, and that's why <laughs> I think that's why we connected uh, as well because I think we both share the same values in helping filmmakers as as much as we can. And uh, you know, I'm still in the I'm still in the hunt as well as you are. So uh, you know. We're, we're, we're still, we're still grinding day in and day out. 
uh, trying to make it happen, man. So, so what advice uh, would you give a filmmaker wanting to break into the business? Mm, that's a very good question. And to be honest with you, I ask myself that question every day. (laughs) You're still looking to break in, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've had some successes, but not at the level that I want to be. And I constantly evaluate and ask myself, what can I be doing better? What can I do to, um, to make it? And it struck me that filmmaking and succeeding in filmmaking, it's not just about hard work and talent. Mm-hmm. You know, that will get you maybe halfway there. I think the other two are connections and timing. And timing has a lot to do with luck. Mm-hmm. So in order to be successful or to at least break in or have your voice heard, I think, in my opinion, it's actually all about it's all about creating as many chances for yourself as possible because you got to work hard. You got to have talent. That's a given. So that'll get you halfway there. But beyond that, you need to basically create as many opportunities for yourself so that the timing and the connections finally align. And who knows, they might align on your first outing out and you might get picked up and you're suddenly discovered quote unquote. But I think the, the thing that I found out is that this is a long-term game. This is not like I make my one film and I go to Sundance because that does happen, but it's like one in a billion. That's the lottery so, ticket, yeah. Right, exactly. It is the absolute lottery ticket. So for you, for most people, for myself, it's all about creating as many chances at rolling the dice as possible so that eventually your hard work and your talent will align with the connections and will align with the right luck and right timing. But you need to give yourself as many opportunities to make that as happen as possible. So it's all about building a long-term sustainable career and it's not about that one, you know, flash in the pan. It's about creating as many opportunities for yourself as possible. So for me, it's it's the marathon uh, mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a sprint. And so that's what I think I'll eventually incorporate as being one of my reasons why I would be successful. Not saying that I am. I mean, you mm-hmm. never you never know. But that's my personal philosophy on what it takes. And I could be wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. either way, I'll find out. I think you are uh, right, spot on, my friend, because that's what I say all the time, that it is a marathon. It is not a one-year plan. It's a 10-year plan. Absolutely. You know, you've got to think about the long term and not try to try to cheat your way or, or try to get, you know, game the system because the system's right. a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you never know. You could catch a lucky break. But no, yeah, no, of so course. Statistically speaking, you know, you're absolutely right. It is all about the 10-year plan. And I, and I honestly think that by the time that you do get to where you want to be in 10 years or 15 years, you're more prepared for it. I agree. How many, how many kids, you know, that, you know, get that success at 21, 22, early 20s, you know, how Robert Rodriguez maintained mm-hmm. his sanity right. is, is beyond me. A 23-year-old that was thrust into the, you know, Hollywood spotlight like he did. Probably uh, because he doesn't live in L.A. <laughs> that's probably why. He lives in he lives in Austin, exactly. exactly. And he built his own thing out there. But, yep. but yeah, so can you tell me what book had the biggest impact on your life or career? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. Um, they, get, they get harder. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> You know, this is such a cliched example. I'm sure many of you know many people have said this, but I really like The Great Gatsby. No, but you're the first. Really, you're okay. the first. Um, it's a great book. I, I love that yes. book. I I would say you know I I'm sure a lot of people have said like filmmaking you know sort of biographies or whatever, but I particularly like The Great Gatsby because it's a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale of success at any cost doesn't necessarily mean fulfillment and satisfaction mm-hmm. and happiness. And so to me, reading that book reminds me if, if I ever become successful to realize that, you know, there are, are the other priorities and just influence and power and wealth and, and all that stuff. There's more to life than just, you know, the, your daisy, so to speak, to mm-hmm. quote uh, something from the story. So, yeah. Now, what lesson took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Patience. <laughs> Without a doubt. Amen, brother. That's mine too. <laughs> I am the worst. I'm the most impatient person ever. All my staff know this. All my friends, family, they all know this. I'm the most impatient person. And I think it comes down to, um, I've always been an impatient person in general, like growing up. I've always wanted to grow up and just do my thing. But uh, it got worse after my mom passed away at a very young age. And so I realized the mortality of life and realized how how finite it all is and how really we don't we don't really know. We're all ticking time bombs. We don't know what the countdown is right now. And so for me, I always feel like this sort of sense of mortality that I have to do as much as possible before I can't. 
And sometimes, like you said, it's, it's adopting a marathon mindset and 10 year plan and hoping that you will survive the 10 years because there's been some fatalistic points in my life where I, you know, just never know anything can happen at any time. So patience has been the biggest obstacle that I've grappled with by far. And what are three of your favorite films of all time? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, Okay, I'm going to start off with the horrible one. Uh, I love The Rock by Michael it's, Bay. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. By the by, yeah. by, by, by far his best movie. Yes, I agree. Completely. Without without question, maybe with a, maybe with the original Bad Boys coming up a second. Though mm. I yes yes yes, yes. Uh, but I do have a soft spot for Armageddon, uh, yes. as ridiculous as it uh-huh. is. <laughs> as ridiculous. The song, but yes. The Rock. Uh, yeah. and, and this is my opinion, and again, yeah. and I don't mean to jump over you. <laughs> I just got excited about The Rock. Yeah, it changed action movies. Yes, it really did. It was to me the defi- the definitive action movie of the nineties. I absolutely loved it. Was floored by it. It mm-hmm. governs everything I did um, <laughs> for a while. Um, anyway, so that would be a number one. My number two would be Inception. I really mm-hmm. love that film Great because it, it combines just the right balance of drama and action but also has a very thought-provoking uh sort of question of like what is reality and Mm -hmm. so to me i love films that not only have great action and great story but also provoke you to think long after you leave the theater um and my last one is a bit of a wild card and not many people have heard of it's this movie called gattaca yeah of course uh, okay ethan hawk and uh, uma yes absolutely and uh jude law as well yes uh, and Xander Berkeley too. Um, anyway, so one of my favorite movies of all time, because it is a, for me, one of my sort of, uh, I guess my ethos also, right? Because this guy in this film, not to give it away, essentially was born with a lot of genetic defects and he wants to become an astronaut, which in his society is deemed statistically completely impossible. Yet he struggles to overcome it. And for me on days when I feel so down and I feel so, terrible but my life i look at this film as a as an inspiration of what can be done and of course it's a purely fictional not true Mm -hmm. story but it nonetheless inspires me to keep on going because you know if someone can do that you know so can i amen brother amen now where can people find you online Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say like, well, you, 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 coffee. <laughs> I mean, that you know, I've I've had to say online so many times because I get that reaction from my guests. They're like, uh, "My home address?" I'm like, "No, I don't need you your home my address. social security." Yeah, <laughs> has that already? I think uh, you know. It's, uh, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I already got it. I downloaded it the other day. Dark web. Yeah, on the dark web. People look back on this three years from now. They're gonna be like, "What are they talking about?" This is something so like 2017. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, I guess, okay, so professionally, um, check out Rappel. Obviously, it's uh, W-R-A-P-A-L, like Rappel. Uh, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but that's how, that's how it's spelled. Um, sure. .com. Uh, and then for me personally, you can find me as Brian L. Tan BLT. You can find me as simply as a Google search, uh, or I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, on, I don't, I'm not much Twitter? of a Twitter person. Nope. You're not a I, Tweeter? I, Twitter. I am the worst Twitter. I'm a twit at Twitter. I'm going to have to have a talk with you. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible <laughs> Twitter. But uh, everything else I'm pretty decent at. Um, and you can find me on social media. And I also have a website uh, as well. So just, just Google me. You'll find all these various ways. I'm pretty accessible. I'll, put them, I'll put them all in the show notes, guys. Yeah, uh, Brian, man, thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge about locations with us today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time out. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity on being your show. Absolutely a fan, and uh, it's really truly been an honor and a very, very big privilege being here today. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you, brother. Well, I hope you're ready now to go out and get some locations for your next indie film. In that episode, we had a lot of knowledge bombs and some tips and tricks that we tossed in there to help you get your locations and get the best-looking movie or short or series or uh, anything you're shooting to make it look as good as possible. And locations will add a tremendous amount of production value to your projects. And Brian's website, rappel.com, is an amazing resource for anybody in LA and New York looking for locations. It is a great resource. I've been using it for some of my productions, and you could just go in quickly. There's no BS. Find amazing locations and talk to people who want you to be there and not have to convince them or anything. So it's a great, great service. Definitely check it out, rappel.com. If you want to get links to anything we talked about in this episode, head over to IndieFilmHustle.com 
forward slash 184 for all of the show notes. And also we have a special little ultimate guide to location scouting in the show notes. So Brian was cool enough to be able to put together this ultimate guide for us. So definitely check it out. It's a good read and gives you a lot of information. As always, keep that hustle going, keep that dream alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.